0: Welcome to Mission Control, Peralta Design's podcast on everything business, tech, and marketing. Since 2008, Peralta Design has launched hundreds of successful brands. Join Ramon and the PD flight crew as they use decades of combined experience to tackle current events and interview guests, while dropping valuable industry knowledge. At Peralta Design, we launch brands. But for now, let's launch right into this episode.
1: Three, one, zero, 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 zero. And off. Hey everybody, welcome to this latest episode of Mission Control. This is your host, Ramon Peralta with Peralta Design, and we launch brands, and I'm thrilled to have, you know, this sparkling, bright, young person here that's going to take over the world. She is named Kia Huggin, the founder of Webquity. Hello. Welcome. Welcome. I'm just blown away with your resume. I'm looking at all your accolades, recent uh, UConn grad, yes, yes. Um, the Harvard, um, Yale awards here for startups. So I can't wait to, to to get all into that and and uh, and learn more about your startup. And of course, we've got Jorge here with us. Yeah, pasa Mufasa. What's going on, everyone? And Kevin, the man with more than one sound. I hope today, plenty of sounds. There's this one. Okay. That one's scary. <laughs> that's a solid like Saturday morning. Like that's a Power Rangers sound effect. Oh man! Well, let's have some fun. First of all, let's talk about the the uh, I've been you know you know you know you really love somebody when you send them reels at all times of the night that you find interesting. And oh, I've, yeah. been, I've been sending you guys uh, reels of people on the Vision Pro. There was one of a person driving the Cybertruck with no hands. While on the Vision Pro, and I was just like, we're doomed. Because this is like, what's going on? What their is defense, the deal? they did say it was in self-driving. <laughs> <laughs> I just
0: can't even believe that this is where we've gotten to as a society. Yeah. Maybe I can. I sh- yeah. You really should have seen this coming. You know, uh, you look at Wally and it looks more and more like that was a documentary. than uh, True. Foreshadowing you know, there. Foreshadowing. Because there's, there's people who just want that future. And here we are. Um, and... I guess I shouldn't be surprised, and it's kind of shocking to me just the adoption rate. I would love to know what the statistics are going to be for yeah. Apple, whether or not it's going to be a success for them. Because it seems like they would have priced out almost every one of the core audience. And even more fascinating to me is, just from anecdotal evidence, right. I feel like the Vision Pro has actually spurred
1: the sales of more Quest 3s. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I As soon as I got the, the PS4, the 5 came out. I finally got to Quest Three, and like Vision Pro comes out, right? So I'm like right on the cusp. But my my younger brother Chris reached out to me and said, you know, what sold him was a commercial of a guy on a on like a commercial, you know, a domestic flight with the Vision Pro, watching like a cinema theater size screen, like you know for himself, like while yeah. he's on the plane. And he's like, that's the reason I'm getting it. Is he getting it? He's he's. He's getting it. We're Chris, gonna need to yeah. have Chris
0: record a review. First. Yeah,
1: because Chris is—he's an Apple guy and and tech guy. He was—he—he—he he did well in the NFT space, so he he may have a few ducats laying around that he's gonna throw at at, at the Vision Pro um and you know he said are you guys getting one for the office and i was like at 4k no not not <laughs> not right We're not, not talking about the resolution either. yeah yeah exactly not right off the bat i'm dropping 4 gs on something but i i am getting the 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 uh, quest 3 so i'm excited you know it should be coming in That's this week the biggest thing for me is outside of
0: um the 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 actually you know the hand tracking is you know next level on the vision pro and all the the minute details that you can do and also the eye tracking there's no it removes the need for a cursor right there's no controller like your eyes literally become
1: wherever you're looking is what you're interacting with but it's ar so you're you're seeing through it right and you can see that's why people are walking and driving so it's enhancing right the, the fidelity your reality. is unbelievable in comparison to everything else but
0: for me it's interesting that the quest 3 seems very similar and that was the whole point of the quest 3 is that they wanted to make something that was more ar than right. vr it seems like the whole industry is going in this direction and that it totally encasing you in the vr world without giving you the window to the outside world seem to be like yeah. limiting you know what i mean yeah you know to combine the two things yeah
1: like it's, it's like a, like a hybrid problem. approach or maybe it has to do with keeping the device on longer you know if you can right. see while Which you have it thing,
0: apparently it's heavy and uh, yeah. you know that that your people are going to wear this thing for you know two three four hours whatever the full battery life is plus you've got to hook in the battery pack and then keep the battery pack on you somewhere yeah. It's another added. It weight. looks very
1: primitive, even though it's like so advanced. When I see the person walking and he's got the long cord and he's got the big headset, and there's now you're saying there's a battery, it just seems like this is only going to get like streamlined. Yeah, yeah. you could tell this is very
0: early adopter. Yeah. You know, think about yeah. the original, think about the original iPhone 3GS right. versus where we are now. It's night and day. You know what I mean? So
1: as it evolves, it's gonna
0: get sleeker and you
1: know. Oh, well, I mean, I'm old, so the original like iPod. Yeah, you know, uh, and then you know you get the little shuffles, you know, mm-hmm. like how did they take that, you know, uh, condense one, it? iPod still had mechanical. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, and it had like a click uh, wheel. I loved that. There's something
0: about like the, and it's funny. We'll talk about analog versus digital. There's something about analog that touch the click wheel was so brilliant to me. It was something that anybody could understand. And it was amazing that you could have, and it was new at the time, right? Everybody still had binders of CDs. So to say, hey, instead of that binder, th- that big old binder, you can have all of yeah. that right here in your pocket. Yeah. You know what I
1: mean? Yeah. Back then, guys were dropping big time loot on putting like a hard drive in their car. Yeah. That could hold, you know, a, you know, a thousand MP3s or whatever. You either had a six CD changer <laughs> in the back,
0: like I did. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Or yeah, you could do a hard drive with your mp but that was player. a big build, like right.
1: to do that um, versus just like CarPlay and it's your phone and you and you've got right. you know, all these gigs on there, crazy. But um, what what do we think? Uh, what what are the early projections on on it or applications besides like I've seen that you can you can do like desktop applications on it, or you can watch movies, but what other yeah. practical applications do you see for the Vision Pro?
0: I mean, I just saw a story about a guy who was going to buy a $5,000 TV, you know, like a like a 75-inch, you know, mm. QLED, top of the line, everything. And he was like, wait a second, I can actually save 1500 by getting the Vision Pro, and then I can have as big of a TV as I want. It can be literally my whole room. And then he decided, well, I could have a seventy five inch T V here, a forty-five inch TV here, fifty five inch you can set up multiple displays all at the same time. So for him, that was the future of like watching all the sports that he But used. it's
1: himself. He can't
0: like have, gather the family over right. a
1: seventy five inch T V so you can have people over to watch it. Not like <laughs> right. oh look at the TV so true. I can sit there in front of it by myself.
0: Right. I guess when you're if you're a uh, single guy with no kids, <laughs> you know, that's that you know the value is like, all right, who am I buying for?
1: That's me, and I still would not it's like Ready Player One. Like just <laughs> well, you know. that also brings brings a question. I think about that all the time. Um, recently, you know, uh, like your, my point is like your world's in, your world doesn't look as good as it does in the in the lenses, so you just keep those on. Right, right, and, and that's you know. th- that. The whole part part of this further immersion
0: to me is part of the thing that I think that movie that book poses on society where eventually the technology is going to get there Mm. even from our the first primitive headsets that we were wearing you know people forget that we had vr back in the 90s it was super primitive in comparison so eventually we're going to get to the point i think where the fidelity is going to be really close where it's going to be tough to discern the difference so what outside of cost you know what i mean there's going to be a whole segment of the population to me is not going to want to come out Of that vr shell they're gonna you know become far too enamored with it
1: you know what i mean think ready player one yeah yeah, exactly exactly anyway uh when we come back after these words we're gonna learn more about kia huggin and her company webquity
0: if you've got an innovation that you want to bring to the world the first step is making sure you've got a great domain name Visit shop.spacehost.pro to grab your domain name today and begin your new venture and your new business. Shop put your records on. Tell me your
1: And that was a bit of Put Your Records On by Kareen Bailey Ray at the request of Kia Huggin. Welcome back. <laughs> yes, so Kia, it says here uh, you are an engineer, an educator, and that you embarked on an inspiring journey amid the COVID-19 pandemic sudden shift to online education. So I can't wait to hear about this and your startup, Webquity.
2: Yeah, so... With that story, I feel like there's so many parts that have come together to bring me to where I am today. I think starting all the way back at the beginning that informs this journey is my parents. So starting with them coming to America from Jamaica, living in an attic above my parents to my grandparents' Jamaican restaurant in New York, um, all being very hard workers, really mm-hmm. wanting better for us. And then at the time, I was raised predominantly in Georgia, I'd say, so from the South, um, and the schools in the South, not. not. Not that great in particular, really low resource schools and not really having a lot of opportunities. But I think my parents having that drive, I think a typical like immigrant stereotype that you become an engineer, lawyer, doctor those are the three options my mom really started gearing me towards engineering around that time and that looked like when you're forced to do like your middle school science fair you have to participate my mom went and bought me a robotics kit and said this is what you're doing figure it out (laughs) i think she had met one engineer at the time didn't know what that meant really and
0: just do you remember how old you were when you got that robotics? i was
2: 12 okay yes So pretty young, and she had me sit with this engineer who truly put together most of the kit, Um, but I was able to learn through that process, and I think that's when the transition happened from seeing robots as this cool like sci-fi thing to a potential to be able to help people. So the project in itself, the robot, I named him Roger, Um, the idea was that robots could help save people in natural disasters, and I was like, this matters, this is really cool, and all my friends thought it was cool as well, which I think was probably the biggest factor in why I kept going. Um, But. But seeing that success in that space really motivated me to continue on. So continued down the engineering path from there, which is really interesting. And then moving to Connecticut, being here, I think a large culture shock in northwestern corner, middle of Connecticut, I was still able to pursue robotics and then driven even more so to access accessibility representation in my time transitioning into yukon so those were all just really important factors towards everything that i wanted to do but i think the transition for founding webquity was really born within that collegiate space and so
0: you're talking and you went to stores
2: yes at yukon stores and during that time i don't i think there was i don't i struggled to describe the transition between like doing a fun robot project and building roger and all my friends liking him and then going to a college lecture and i'm sitting through hours of Things I arguably still may not understand, studying engineering um, and figuring out what that meant for my future at that time. And I think um, being able to work with students was the largest shift for me. So teaching students, showing them how cool it was, the Rogers of the world, (laughs) introducing that to them um, continually motivated me. But now I wanted to study education. So really leaning into educational technology Mm -hmm. um, laid the foundation for what WebCity was to become after that
1: and did you have siblings
2: yeah and so i have a younger sibling um, my sister and then an older sibling my brother my brother definitely went the engineering route as well and then my sister um is studying engineering now at yukon so a full very circle. consistent with yeah. the parents <laughs> no that's great Kudos, shout out
1: to the parents i mean uh, my parents are immigrants as well and i mean it's a common theme i think they they sacrifice so much and then they have these expectations of us and, and they drill it into you like, okay, you you better do something with this. Like you don't wanna, and, and you get that feeling like you don't wanna squander their sacrifice.
2: Yeah, no, definitely. And I think that's my hesitation around like when I started becoming interested in education, mm-hmm. like my mom said to me, there's no way you get an engineering degree and then become a teacher. And you, she didn't respect them in the same way, right. just in terms of life outcome and the way that she saw it. So definitely. Do you find
0: that same thing carries through not just with your mom, but with other people in, like the public at large, if there's some some sort of societal, I don't know, yeah, like barrier or um, kind of like designation that you get put into?
2: Yeah, I think so, definitely. And especially um, with, I think, the stigma around like being an educator and you'll hear things like those who can't do teach and yeah, things for, that Yeah, that's from the School of Rock. Yeah.
1: And those that can't teach, teach gym. Yeah. <laughs> but my thing is teachers and educators create engineers, so. Yeah. Exactly. And you know, and we, we we highly respect teachers around these parts. Mom, Dad, teachers, uh, Jorge, and, and my wife, you know, Bridgeport educator for many many years. My daughter's a, a teacher in New York, so we're big on it. So uh, we think highly of them, um, and and deeply, um, you know, uh, highly esteemed. You know, as far as like our society, I think, unfortunately, values you know guys that can shoot a. a basketball through a hoop a little bit more than, than those that are in the trenches with, with our youth. But um but it's a combination. I mean I think you know what you're sharing about your parents, it's the parents and the teachers, you know, pushing our kids forward. Um and it's exciting to hear that the, the your other siblings also are gonna follow. Do they have roles in the in the startup?
2: Um, they give me advice, I'd say. They're not fully immersed, okay. but they're interested in always sort of asking questions, which I find a lot now, especially being younger in the space and doing entrepreneurship. A lot of questions around how to get started a business, what to do with ideas has been really interesting
1: as well. Um, awesome. And and you found out about us through uh, ONI, actually. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So and tell, tell us a little bit about that relationship with CT Next.
2: Yeah. So I had been involved in CT Next through my time at UConn. I went back for my master's in entrepreneurship, which is a program within the engineering school, which is a really great opportunity within that program. And so CT Next was a huge supporter. I remember in my cohort always presenting to them, getting feedback, yeah. learning about the opportunities. And I was participating in the startup Yale. So every year Yale has their entrepreneurial competitions, prizes. I ended up winning this past year, um, which was co-sponsored by CT Next. And so after that, that funding really launched us forward. And being able to discover brands like yours and being able to really just get in network Mm -hmm. with a larger amount of people had been really great out of that.
1: So give us the uh, 30-second elevator pitch for WebQuitty.
2: Oh, wow. Okay putting me on the spot um i always say that we develop digital accessibility tools for students with disabilities and neurodiverse learners to give them equitable access to online education making sure that they have the tools that they need to succeed anywhere across the web pretty much
1: wow
0: wow who wouldn't support that you nailed it and and is that a domestic endeavor is that international is there um does that is that multi-language what's the scope of that
2: Right now, we're limited to English, so one language definitely wanting to expand out and implementing tools for translation is a really great. Um, oh, sorry, really <laughs> great uh, option for us as well. And though, so internationally, in the sense that it's on the internet, anyone could download it, but definitely serving domestically, and we're starting to work with schools in Connecticut as well.
1: Incredible. Um, what is this thing about double vision and? you had your own experience with it tell us about that
2: yeah so it's interesting because well one I think everyone transitioned online during COVID-19 and seeing a lot of issues that learning and things
1: like that yeah for many people they think it was like a lost year or for students Mm -hmm. unfortunately that weren't the younger ones I think really kind of were in front of the screen and came back and they fell behind on social learning and a lot of a lot of things
2: yeah and at the time I was working within education I was working for black girls code and we noticed a lot of issues that the students were having and so I had to spend a lot of time manually making content for them to their needs and then personally myself like experiencing double vision I think maybe I'd gotten away with it studying engineering not having to read like large papers and things but transitioning into grad school started really struggling with um, double vision like making out like the difference between like a six eight and a nine and a Three couldn't tell you. Probably not. It took like a lot of focus to figure that out. Just from
1: reading books or reading online or both.
2: Reading online, I think particularly on the screen, the contrast, the size of the text, like all of that, really started to create barriers for me and the amount of reading that I had to do. So really, seeing the need there for myself as well.
1: So it was kind of born out of you know um, necessity, but also your own personal experience. And then you was the thought that if I'm struggling with this, there are people elsewhere and maybe I can create something?
2: Yeah, I think it's twofold. So on one end, what you're saying, like the need for the access, making sure that students like myself had the tools that they need. And I think also out of laziness. So at my job, having to put in all the extra hours to accommodate the students, which we had to do, really looking how can we automate that, make it faster, more efficient, all of the technology terms as well.
1: So kind of walk us through the platform um, in the process. So yeah, I'd love to know more about, let's say
0: I was um, a school or a program that wanted to get involved with, with a uh, web goodie. How does, what does that look like? How do they, um, how does that relationship start? And then what is that onboarding process like?
2: Yeah, so we just started our first official school partnership this week. So using that as an example, we're working with Connecticut River Academy. And so being able to bring our tools to their students. So the extensions available on Google Chrome, a ton of schools use Chromebooks that motivated the decision of why it's hosted on that platform. And it looks like being able to provide those tools to students throughout their own um, task and what they're working through. And so through contacting us and we reach out through LinkedIn, social media, we've had a ton of educators that are interested and then really being able to meet their needs of how does would this look for your students throughout the day really seamless integration we've seen so far
0: so what is that um what is so it's a it's a chrome extension so what does it look like okay I go in I install it. it's a pay extension or I need a license key or how does that how does that work
2: Yeah, so it's a paid extension for schools. We do everything on the back end to take that lift off for them. As an individual user, you sign up for your account. You start with the free trial. We don't ask for payment information up front. I think a lot of platforms do that to sort of loop you in. but really wanting you to genuinely try out the plugin itself. You take a learning questionnaire because we know it's not one size fits all. So you get to see all the text options that we have, the color contrast, the font. We have a dyslexic friendly font. Things that we know are going to enhance your experience as well as text to speech, bionic reading, which folds the first half of every word, proven to increase reading speed. And you have all of that in this suite. And so we do that questionnaire to set you up with the default profile, whatever works best for you. And then you have that anywhere across the web.
0: Okay. Do you have any? Um, it sounds like there's a lot of overlap with what we see on the web development front with ADA compliance. So is there also. Um, do any of those standards like WCAG or any any of those standards fall in line with what your tool does or that, that suite?
2: Yep. So we're definitely motivated by the guidelines and making sure that we're doing what we can to make sure that students have the tools to adapt websites to those needs. It's interesting because within the space, Webquity doesn't exist alone in the web accessibility space. A lot of our competitors, their value proposition is if your website's not up to date, like there's your consequences for that like people need to be able to use your website and they focus on website hosts and in our case we really focus on the user the student whoever is navigating the internet what do you need across these sites definitely motivated by it but i think our value proposition is more um person focus versus business interest focus
0: okay and this is more of a um how does this work license wise does, does this work is this annual is this monthly if you're an organization that wanted to get onboarded um, what does that look like?
2: Yeah, so we do our intake process. We usually consult pretty individually towards their needs. What it looks like a typical school year across nine months. Um, do you want it just for particular students for a certain amount of time or certain classes that they're in at the collegiate level? So we really consult it just one-to-one and really adaptive to those needs.
0: Okay, great. So it all kind of like a sliding
1: scale based on what you know that individual uh, school organization needs. Yes. Take us through the early stages, because I'm, I'm assuming this you went back to get your master's in, in entrepreneurship. They're trying to at least prepare you for what it's like to start a business. Um, but what were some of the challenges you had early in that entrepreneur journey?
2: Yeah, I think shifting from the mindset from just doing projects for fun and just because I liked it and because it could help people to now having a business idea was a transition that was interesting. Um, so what does that look like scale-wise? How do I offer it? What is the business structure and how to pitch that to people and get investment? It was very tough to answer all those questions, but I think really important that I had to do that upfront. Um, and getting a lot of the no's or discouragement or still to this day, like people will say, like, I don't think that's a good idea. (laughs) Why are you doing Um, so being able to intake that feedback I think especially there's a vulnerability of having a new idea and like keeping keeping it hush hush and not wanting a lot of feedback so really being able to get hit with that up front in the program
1: did you find yourself signing getting people to sign NDAs early on when you were sharing the idea.
2: No, I think it's probably a benefit. Or it could be a not, to my disadvantage. It was just kind of naive, yeah. naive. You were just kind of like,
1: telling people about it but at risking them stealing it or
2: Yeah, and that was a lot of the feedback that I got up front as well like when I would pitch for in my classes the judges who were professionals that would yeah. come in would be like you need to do this as soon as possible right. like today. <laughs> Protect it cuz they I know don't.
1: there's some bad characters out there that that could take your idea or develop it quicker. Yes, or you know, oh, you know, you've you've done the hard work, you know, you've identified the need, but maybe they could deploy it faster than you can, or, or so forth. So, it sounds like some of these judges were were offering some mentorship in a way.
2: Yes, and I think it's something that I had to learn as well because I think at first it was like very shocking to hear like oh like that's a bad idea like don't do that like why are you doing it this way or even I've had like um, questions at the end of pitch pitch competitions Mm -hmm. like why should I care like I don't have those disabilities why do I care and at the first like really my initial reaction is like why are you asking me, like, why you should care about other people? Like, I don't right. know, like, how do I answer this question? <laughs> but then really realizing that. They're like, what? You
1: want to help people? Yeah, no. <laughs> and it's like you
2: know, taking a step back and realizing they're looking at how do you pitch this to large audiences? Yeah, how do you brand they're, they're, it to reach think, people? Right,
1: they're like saying, they're always thinking, like, if it's too niche and the, and the margins are too small, it's not worth my time, you know, kind of like the Mr. Wonderful, you know, Shark Tank approach there's always one of those judges that's that goes right for the juggler and wants to it's it's okay that sounds all kumbaya but like how are you gonna make money you know like it always it always comes down to that you know at the end of the day
2: yeah, and I've had really great mentors. And just another example of that, like, shift that I had to make in my mind, for example, around profit, since you brought mm-hmm. that up, is um, one of my mentors asked me, and they were like, okay, why do you want to work with schools and institutions instead of individual people? Right. And my answer was that students shouldn't be burdened with the, the monetary responsibility to have tools that they already need, and these schools have an obligation. And my mentor looked at me, and he was like, no, it's because you can make more money from institutions. Right, because
1: you're selling a bulk <laughs> license versus, you know, individual and but that's it's it's great and refreshing to just hear sincerity and 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 just be transparent of your thought process and your mentors can kind of pick up on like okay so how do we fine-tune it because it makes for a great brand story which you need but they're looking out for you from from the um you know the, the You know the investor side you know if somebody invests uh and we can talk about that a little bit because you know when you when you you've probably learned by now if you take if you take on investors then you've got to give up some equity Yes. In your company, have you experienced that yet?
2: I'm avoiding it intentionally yeah. at this time. We've had a lot of people reach out and who are interested and who want equity, which I think is reassuring in the sense that people believe in it, essentially. Right. They're willing to invest. Good. Yeah, and so that's been a really good sign. But then on the flip side of that, like you said, the obligations, the strings attached to it, um, if we don't need the money in that capacity, trying to avoid that, at least for now, as we're building up. And so being fortunate to really leverage non-dilutive funding up, to this point has been successful this far, but it's definitely on the table.
1: Yes. And and so what has been your, your source of funding? Has it been through grants or winning these competitions?
2: Yep. so uh, through pitch competitions, really being able to leverage like the larger pitch competitions. I definitely started small, like with $100, $1,000, yeah. and continuing and building up from there has been really significant. Um, we were awarded one grant from UConn, so going through that application process, learning how to apply for grants has been really helpful. And then other opportunities like accelerators, incubators, a lot of time dedicated to getting... Getting access to that funding
1: yeah there's so many um, we, we, we should be grateful um, being in this state that there there are a lot of programs and we're, we're tapped into a number of them but reset right now is accepting applications for their latest cohort um, and they're out of Hartford but the, but there are some all around the state um, M&T banks behind the one at UB um, there's so many um, so it's good to know that we're encouraging this uh, And just leveraging your your background, kind of bringing your superpowers into this to help others is is phenomenal. Um, I got to ask, though, are you doing something because you got the Jamaican parents, are they holding you down or are they kind of like you got to go out and get a job and then build your company on the side? What's what's your strategy right now?
2: Yeah, and so after I'd graduated from Harvard, I accepted a product manager role. I was like, I need to have a salary. I'll work on this. But to my surprise, and I worked from from there for a couple of months. But to my surprise, my parents were like, Why not give it a shot? Like, why not awesome. give it this full like one go? We'll see where it happens. Mm-hmm. Like, what better time? You don't have like children or yeah, a husband. Right. Like, right. why not right. do it right now? And so they're really supportive. And I think part of that um, is from the work that they put in. They're like, You can do what we couldn't do yeah. and I, they expressed like i didn't even have hobbies or things like free time wasn't a concept for them so they're like go right. ahead and do it they still definitely check in like daily they're like so what are you doing <laughs> like, to make sure that i'm not you gotta doing put the nothing? work in
1: they want to yes. make sure you're putting the work in but um i agree with them i mean i think each generation um you know the the goal is for the next generation to do better and and your mom and dad are, are right they're saying to you hey you don't have these these uh i wouldn't say um roadblocks but things that could weigh you down or responsibilities that you have to tend to so that you can focus so it is a blessing to have them think of it that way and and trust you a lot of them i mean because imagine we're trying to learn how this all works your parents are probably like listening to you explain how this works and they at some point they just got to trust that you're building something great as you as you continue to get great feedback so um are there any um, organizations now that are customers or clients that you can talk about?
2: Yeah, and so with Connecticut River Academy, really excited about that partnership that started this week, actually. Wow. So being able to work you with- a,
1: You can get some claps maybe, or <laughs> you are making air horn.
2: <laughs> On fire. <Encore. laughs> Yeah, with the Connecticut River Academy, really excited to work with their students, get feedback from their students on the product, how it works for them. Also giving them insight into being part of the startup life is mm-hmm. pretty cool. So they're able to do the user experience testing and give me their feedback and see what we do with that. So using it as a learning experience as well, kind of selfishly, because I love teaching and working with students. So a win-win there.
1: Yeah, and what, what parts of the business are you looking forward to firing yourself from? Like as you grow... What are, what are, who are some of the first folks that you might hire?
2: Yeah, so recently brought on a new COO who handles all of marketing, like being in office today with you all has been really inspiring as well, because I think there needed to come a point where um, Webquity and my personal brand had to take a separation. Mm-hmm. So Webquity can stand on its own and have its brand that guidelines. That wasn't easy and... to get
0: Ramon to do, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. That was a lot of years of yeah. blood, sweat and tears to get him to let that go. So if you're already at that point, <laughs> kudos yeah. to you. Uh, you're way ahead of the game. You
2: know, I dream of Webquity existing you don't even know that like I'm the founder of it or anything and just as on its own so having all the marketing handled has been a relief and um getting the reminders of we need to be consistent with colors like before those considerations or like even a brand the logo was like made on canva in five minutes and like our post would be all types of different colors (laughs) so really having someone come in and hone in on that has been really really helpful and I think just for the brand as a whole has really advanced she reminded me to make sure I take pictures before I leave here today to help her out. (laughs) Absolutely.
1: And the glasses and the logo, is that kind of a a breadcrumb trail to you having double vision or... or yeah explain that a little bit
2: so the first product the extension itself we call it digital glasses okay and so really looking at it as like your written prescription but on the web not needing physical glasses was the idea behind that and then usually utilizing it in the logo was a decision that we went back and forth on because we hope to have more products that we're developing right now we're really looking at it as like the pathway into the future like you're looking into clear better Mm -hmm. all of those things
1: awesome awesome so uh kind of give us a uh, an idea of of Your target audience and how they might learn more and and how they can find you maybe share some of your social handles I'm sure your marketing person will be happy
2: yes definitely ran through it with me but with our target audience we are looking to help people who want to read faster comprehend better if you have any trouble with completing your essays or reading your notes online we have tools to help you we want your feedback and free to try that out and you can do that through our website webquittied.com or at webquity on LinkedIn Instagram always whatever way is easiest for you to connect with us we're everywhere and willing to connect with you all um, on TikTok as well starting to do some demos and personas so you can see who's using the product uh, so yeah Webquity across all platforms.
1: Excellent and what's next for Webquity?
2: So we're gonna continue our school partnerships, hoping to acquire more. We've had some educators reach out, and then continue just serving people across the web, like wanting to know people's thoughts, opinions. Really adaptive in the process, and we have a new product coming out at the end of Q1. Um, so really happy to launch the beta version of that as well.
0: Awesome. Exciting! Exciting. A quick aside is, um, did you you guys have a development team in house?
2: No. So uh, the, we recently brought up one developer that's are now a part of the team officially. But up until this point, I've just managed contracted teams for our needs so far.
0: Congratulations. I mean, that, that's a big effort in and of itself. So that, that's exciting. Um, you know, bringing a software as a service to market is something that, you know, we've seen so many people attempt to do. Um, and the core of it is having a good idea. So, uh, you know, all the kudos to you.
2: No, thank you so much. And I think it's really interesting to see the pathway. I don't feel like there's a lot of people in the intermediate stage of figuring businesses out. It seems like it's either people who have a really good idea or they have a million dollar investment. And so glad to be in the middle and have the platform to share this story as well.
1: Well, you're super inspiring. I mean, we started out the segment talking about, um, you know, uh, vision Pro and, and how we're doomed, but you know speaking with someone like you just coming out of school with such a great idea is really inspiring uh, and, and refreshing to know that the future's in good hands. Um, I'd like you to send off our our listeners that that might be interested in starting a business with just a uh, a, a few words of wisdom as an entrepreneur maybe maybe some uh, motivation that you might give someone that's considering an idea and maybe just afraid to launch.
2: Yeah, no, I think this is really super relevant. Yesterday, actually, my dad and one of my friends both came to me with business ideas and they were like, we should do this together. And I think that togetherness is really hesitance on their end because I it's like a tax business and like a cupcake shop, like things I'm not interested in, but they are. And I think that hesitance reflects what a lot of people feel with starting a business, like they need someone that they feel like knows the way or knows the path forward. So my advice would be to just start you'll figure it out along the way. I think that the steps sort of line themselves out as long as you have a mission and you figure it out. So definitely my best advice is just to start for one and then to know that there's so many pathways to achieve whatever it is. And I've got questions about like, what if the extension isn't the like not it won't no one buys it like it's not successful but when you have a mission or a passion just knowing that there's so many pathways to get there is what keeps me going so maybe your first attempt does fail maybe digital glasses doesn't take off there's another way to reach the end goal so just keeping that in mind
1: Awesome, awesome. And I, I, I predict success for you. Um, and uh, I wish you all the best. So thanks for coming on our show.
2: Yeah, thank you so much for having me.
1: All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode of Mission Control. Until next time, this is your host, Ramon Peralta with Peralta Design, and we launch brands.